Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to episode number 89 of Unfermettable, where we take a look at some of the less heralded myths in our beloved franchise's quirky history, for to us, every player who dons the orange and blue is, in some way, unfermettable. As you recent listeners may know, we made a recent run through the many, shall we say, uh, notably non-notable myths who wore the number 17 between Keith Hernandez leaving the team after 1989 and the team taking the number out of rotation, I believe after 2010. I had already covered the final Met to wear number 17, Fernando Tatis Sr., a year or so back, just when his son was starting to flourish in the majors. Made me think of him as an appropriate subject. But those list of players that were 17, uh, as covered in more detail a couple of podcasts ago when we wound up focusing on Jeff McKnight, is just a crazy list. I couldn't get past a f- one fact I had forgotten, though, that for a very brief and very unsuccessful period, number 17 for the New York Mets meant Lima time. Uh, the penultimate player to wear number 17 for the Mets before Fernando Tatis Sr. and before the Mets retired it for Keith Hernandez. Today we're going to take a look back at the career of the flamboyant, memorable, and the tragically no longer with us Jose Lima and its brief intersection with the New York Mets. 
Jose Desiderio Rodriguez Lima was born on September 30th, 1972. According to most websites, he was born in Santiago in the Dominican Republic. Although a very detailed article on his life and career, which helped inform this podcast a lot on the Sabre website, uh, notes that Dominican sources uh, note his exact birthplace as Salaya, a municipal area in the Santiago province. Lima's father, Francisco Rodriguez, was a catcher for 12 years on a touring Dominican amateur team. Uh, Like the Alou brothers, Lima and his brother, who was in the minors but never quite made it to the majors, became known as players under the maternal half of his double Spanish surname. And young Jose, among other interests I would imagine, had two prominent loves that he would nurture throughout his life and become known for loving throughout his life, baseball and music. Uh, At the age of 11, Jose Lima began supplementing his family's income by singing in nightclubs. At age 13, he entered a competition at a festival, singing before thousands, belting out a song from a Spanish operetta. And in fact, Lima played in salsa bands during his career, and once, as we'll recant shortly, Uh, sang the national anthem prior to a start he made for the Dodgers in Los Angeles. But around the age of 15, uh, his father asked him to start giving baseball a more serious effort, and Jose joined a team in the Dominican Youth League, where he immediately flourished and dominated as a pitcher, going 9-0, and also playing center field. Uh, The youth league he was in, he was named the league's MVP, And in a timely note, as I record this, as I read just recently, that MLB and the Players Association has not reached an agreement on the international draft. At the tender age of 16, on July 5th of 1989, the Detroit Tigers signed Lima out of Las Charcas High School for $2,000. Lima went immediately into the Tigers org, where he toiled for five years of minor league ball. Uh, His numbers were not eye-catching in the minors. He never had a winning record, uh, but he did have something of a live arm and approach, striking out nearly eight batters for every nine innings pitched. Uh, Somewhat impressive, because even in his youth, he was never known as an overpowering pitcher. Uh, He was already kind of known as a change-up specialist. Uh, His circle change, even in the minors, and throughout his career, would really be his best and his out pitch. Lima was described as a skinny teen. Uh, He was listed, and is still listed on Baseball Reference, at his uh, at his signing stats of six foot two and 170 pounds, though I have to admit my memories of him in his later days uh, recall a physique that was starting to trend towards the Bartolo-esque, or at least that's my Mets memory of Jose Lima. Although watching some video, that seems a tad unfair. I mean, I wouldn't describe him as skinny, but uh, I don't know, perhaps I'm just clouded by how poorly he pitched for our Mets, uh, and remember him less fondly than some of his fans of some other teams he played for might remember him. At any rate, as befitting his flamboyant personality, Lima's major league career would largely be one of peaks and valleys. A couple of surprisingly, shockingly good seasons uh, surrounded by some quite, quite poor ones. 
At the age of 21, Lima made his Major League Baseball debut on April 20th, 1994, getting the start for the Tigers against David Cohn and the Kansas City Royals. Lima would struggle, giving up six runs in four innings and taking the loss, and he would make only two other appearances that year. I, I don't know the circumstances if he was called up for a spot start, uh, but he was up at two other occasions, uh, games spread out by like months at a time, uh, made two relief appearances and struggled in both of those uh, over the first six and two-thirds innings of his career that those three appearances comprised, he surrendered ten runs. And, you know, again, he had some great moments, so part of why Lima's career stats are not altogether impressive is he he definitely was prone to the blow-up game where he just uh, didn't have it and surrendered an awful lot of runs. He'd start the 95 season in the minors, but would come back up more permanently in the summer of 1995 to Detroit and would earn his first career win on August 12th of 1995 against the then American League Milwaukee Brewers. He gave up two runs in six innings, both of those on a home run by, spoiler alert, future 2006 Mets teammate Jose Valentin. Uh, future teammate of Lima's in his brief time with the Mets in an 8-2 victory. Uh, he did have some good starts down the stretch, but again, uh, that penchant for occasionally getting bombed would crop up, and he ultimately struggled or posted poor numbers for that 95 season, going 3-9 and with a 6.11 ERA. And so perhaps he began to fall out of a bit of favor in Detroit in 1996. Uh, in 95, he started all, I think, 15 appearances he made. In 96, he was mainly a reliever, uh, making just four starts in 39 games. Uh, again, his overall numbers were poor. He was eaten 15 with a 5.90 ERA. He did record three of what would be five career saves that he would have in his career. Um, and that would be his last season in Detroit, so truly falling out of favor, perhaps, uh, or perhaps just was a non-entity. Uh, in the offseason, Lima would be in a throw-in in a nine-player trade that would completely revitalize and transform his career. At the age of 24, he went from Detroit to the Houston Astros, along with catcher Brad Ausmus, pitchers Trevor Miller and C.J. Nitkowski, and outfielder Daryl Ward. Uh, in exchange for Doug Brokale, Todd Jones, pitchers, outfielder Brian Hunter, and shortstop Orlando Miller, and cash, according to the official transaction report. I'm guessing, you know, I'm just speculating based on what I remember from baseball back then, uh, catcher Brad Osmus is probably the, seen as a big acquisition for Houston, and I'm guessing Todd Jones, proven veteran closer, uh, would have been at the time considered the get for the Tigers. And I guess Osmus, you know, was a solid defensive catcher and of course now is a notable manager. Uh, but you'd be hard-pressed to say that Jose Lima wouldn't wind up being the biggest name involved in that trade in professional baseball circles, or at least in the years following the trade, even if he was an afterthought in its inclusion. Uh, didn't immediately transform his career, though. He had another rough 1997, 52 appearances, only one start, another ERA over five, but 
somehow or other, uh, good spring training, injuries, I don't know, Lima became a starter for the 1998 Astros and completely ran with it. There's a recent uh, 2019 remembrance of Lima in a Houston paper that also helped me build this podcast a little bit, and uh, you know, in that uh, his former manager, Larry Durker, was reminiscing about him, uh, the fact that he didn't have overwhelming stuff or throw very hard, uh, but you know, said that once Lima started winning in 98, his confidence and swagger grew. Uh, quoting Durker, that confidence bordered on overconfidence. He challenged everybody and got away with a lot, Durker said. I'd often be scratching my head saying, how is he doing this stuff? His stuff isn't that good. They're getting great swings, and he's not giving up many runs. And he's laughing and jumping over foul lines and having a great time and putting the whole team in a good mood. And it wasn't just his teammates in Houston who took to Lima. Uh, on a team that would make four playoff appearances in five years, starting in 1997, led by two future Hall of Famers and Craig Biggio and Jeff Bagwell, a homegrown one and one that was imported, you know, basically as a minor leaguer or a rookie uh, in that notable trade with the Red Sox, uh, with the young pitching star and future Colorado public school advocate Mike Hampton anchoring the rotation, and all of these uh, stars, it was the charismatic Lima who may have been the most popular of all in Houston. Due to his passion for the game, his charisma on and off the field, uh, Lima time, as he himself uh, described his upcoming starts, was born and began to flourish in Houston. Uh, and it wasn't just the showmanship, uh, again, according to this article in Houston, he signed countless autographs before during and after games, uh, again, released a salsa CD, uh, which earned him an endorsement on a popular local restaurant, and just the great emotion that he showed uh, and the joy he showed playing certainly endeared him, uh, you know, as it will when you're having success. And I'd like to think perhaps the, the joy with which he approached the game would be a bit more celebrated today, or at the, at the bare minimum, he'd have more vocal Twitter defenders uh, an equal amount of Twitter defenders celebrating his joy uh, as opposed to traditionalists bitching about him. Uh, he is a quintessential player who teammates loved for his enthusiasm and antics, but opponents and traditional journalists decidedly did not. An article profiling him and describing his uh, describing him that year said he takes the field and begins a game-long dance that evolves pitch by pitch. He flaps his elbows, squeezes his fists, points, shrugs, grimaces, nods, jumps, kicks, and rides. Swivels his torso after one pitch and gyrates his hips after the next. After a big strikeout, he busts a move that would make John Travolta proud, mock-shooting his victim with his forefinger and thumb. So yeah, most of my memories is of people bitching about Lima's histrionics, but again, his teammates just adored him. Uh, he was one of the greatest teammates I ever played with, said Craig Biggio, and many of his other teammates echoed that. And Lima loved Houston, according to an interview with his son after his untimely passing, and the, again, the feelings seemed mutual. Uh, and again, it doesn't, help to, doesn't hurt to have success and to kind of be a turnaround comeback story, because 
1998, after never before recording an ERA lower than 5.28 or pitching more than 75, 75 innings in a season, Lima time began in earnest. In, he went 16-8 and eight in 1998, throwing over 233 innings, over 33 starts. Less than one walk per start, he walked 32 batters that year, uh, struck out 168, which helped him lead the league in K-to-walk ratio, despite a not-huge number of strikeouts, obviously. And if you thought it was going to be a flash-in-the-pan, one-hit wonder, Lima had an even better 1999. He led the National League with 246 and a third innings pitched, again relying on his control, walking only 44 batters. He made the only all-star team of his career, uh, winning over 20 games that year, going 21-10 and 10 with a 3.58 ERA, and he ultimately finished fourth in the Cy Young voting that year behind Randy Johnson, teammate Mike Hampton, and the Braves' Kevin Millwood. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. For the second time in three years, the Astros made the playoffs in 1999, drawing the Atlanta Braves, and they stunned uh, Greg Maddox in Game 1 of the 1999 NLDS uh, Lima got the start in Game 2, uh, but got out-dueled by Millwood. Uh, the, they would lose 5-1. to one. It was a 2-1 game, 2-1 Braves going into the 6th before they'd extend that lead against Lima, and get, getting two more off of Lima in the 7th and winning the game 5-1. I remember the series pretty well, because, you know, while you... While I always say you should never root for a specific opponent in the playoffs, I remember very much hoping the Astros could take out the Braves, uh, but much like the late 90s Mets, uh, the late 90s Astros never seemed to get over the hump that the that those 90s Braves represented. Uh, they were ousted by the Braves in 97 in the playoffs as well, and sadly the Mets would uh, meet the same fate in the 1999 NLCS against the Braves. And of course, in that offseason, foreseeing that they would not be able to sign uh, or extend Mike Hampton, the Astros rather famously traded him to the Mets after that 99, after that 99 season. Uh, Lima, on the other hand, they would re-sign to a three-year, $18 million contract. It did not work out well for the Astros. Lima's uh, success was most, with, the, with Houston at least, was limited to those two seasons. He was a fly ball pitcher who was not a dominant strikeout pitcher, and 
perhaps more than anything else, uh, the Astros move from the spacious Astrodome to then Enron Field in 2000 was not a good one for Jose Lima and his pitching style. He gave up a National League record 48 home runs in the 2000 season, going 7-16 and 16 in 33 starts, uh, over 189 innings with an ERA, well over 6. Uh, Lima time, beloved though it was, was fundamentally over, uh, at least in Houston. Things would fundamentally go the same over the 2001 and 2002 seasons, uh, whether it was injuries or ineffectiveness. Uh, Lima really made uh, the same amount of starts, or, or a little bit more, uh, pitching 234 innings over those two seasons, going 10-18 and 18 with a 6.19 ERA, giving up 47 more home runs over those 234 innings. In the middle of that 2001 season, Lima would get traded back to the Detroit Tigers for old friend, oh, old Met friend, and former unformidable pod subject Dave Malicki. Uh, but his struggles would continue, um, and in 2002, both Lima and the Tigers were terrible. Uh, the Tigers were not as bad as they're free falling towards that 2003 season, where they would have to rally late in the season to avoid having the worst record in history and supplanting the 62 Mets for the worst record ever. Uh, but Lima, on a team that was struggling, Lima particularly struggled and was unable to stick. Lima went 4-6 and six, uh, for the 2002 Detroit Tigers with a 7.77 ERA. Uh, uh, that was his ERA at the time of his release uh, when his struggles reached their nadir on August 24th of 2002 when he surrendered 11 runs in two and two-thirds innings against the Oakland A's. Lima somewhat famously noted uh, upon his relief, release, if I can't pitch on this team, the worst or second worst team in baseball, where am I going to pitch? If I can't start on this ball, pl- ball club, I must be the worst pitcher on earth. Obviously, an emotional person letting their emotions get the best of them, uh, but Jose Lima would not give it up, uh, and he would have a brief but positive second act. Uh, first, he pitched well for the independent Newark Bears, going 6-1 and one with a 2.33 ERA and 8 starts there, uh, finally getting the attention of the Kansas City Royals, who bought his contract in June of 2003, uh, sent him, you know, they were a pretty bad team themselves, desperate for pitching, Uh, He went straight into action, uh, winning seven straight starts at one point before a groin injury shortened his season. Still, the overall was pretty good for the Royals, 8-3 with a 4.91 ERA. Uh, They certainly were interested in bringing him back, uh, but he couldn't come to terms with them and wound up really probably where someone with Lima's wattage ultimately belonged in Los Angeles for the Dodgers. Lima struggled early with the Dodgers on May 9th of 2004. After nine appearances, his ERA was 7.91. But um, he was undeterred. Uh, He made a start. His next start was against the Chicago Cubs on May 13th. Uh, Before the start, as mentioned, he sang the Star Spangled Banner before the game in L.A., then went out to throw five and two-thirds scoreless innings and a no decision against the Cubs. But all of a sudden, it was Lima time again for both Jose and the Dodgers, who would turn it around in dramatic fashion in 2004. Again, his ERA was not spectacular, as if you look through his game log, there's just the occasional 
four inning, eight run clunker thrown in there. But really, Lima was pretty consistently good for the Dodgers down the stretch, uh, going 13 and five for the team in 2004. Uh, with an ERA, he got down to 4.07 uh, before the end of the year. Meaning from that game against the Cubs through the end of the year, uh, over 150 innings, he put up a 3.58 ERA for a team that made the playoffs. And in the playoffs, Lima would have perhaps his finest career moment, a man who had one career shutout in the regular season, uh, with the Dodgers down two games to none to the Cardinals in the NLDS, uh, came out and fired a five-hit shutout in L.A., Walking one, striking out four in a complete game shutout when Beltray, uh, Adrian Beltray caught the final out of the game. The pop-up, Lima fell down to one knee to celebrate. Unfortunately for the Dodgers, that would be the one game they'd get. The Cardinals would close out the series the next game. Uh, Lima, ironically, would have faced the Houston Astros in the NLCS had the Dodgers been able to complete the comeback. Lima seemed like a great fit with the Dodgers, but as a veteran, the Dodgers would have had to offer him salary arbitration, uh, which, you know, given his checkered or inconsistent uh, past, they were unwilling to do. Uh, he became a free agent and went back to Kansas City for the 2005 season, where he fell into another, let's say, final valley, since he, spoiler alert, did not bounce it back, uh, bounce back for the Mets, but uh, he... He didn't win his first game until June 15th for the Royals, surrendered 31 homers and 168 and two-thirds innings for a 6.99 ERA. But though the uh, Royals, uh, 56 and 106, did not care to bring Lima back, uh, the New York Mets, uh, with high hopes that they would largely fulfill or come close to fulfilling in 2006, would give the veteran a chance. Lima arrived in spring training in Lima style in a silver three-piece suit, a black fedora, and with large diamond earrings, as reported by New York's ever salacious press. He did not make the team out of spring training, but did earn a spot in AAA Norfolk as veteran insurance, and that insurance would be called upon uh, when both Brian Bannister and John Main got hurt in May of 2006. And the 2006 Mets team, of course, was great and pretty beloved, you know, and they ran off early with the division, and I think a lot of people saw the World Series as their birthright. I know I did, but really it was probably a lack of pitching, starting pitching depth and pitching injuries in particular, whether these early in the year or Pedro and El Duque late in the year at the playoffs that really sunk the team in the playoffs. Well, that and the bullpen being shortened by Duaner Sanchez's unfortunate injury and the fact that Met fans just historically overrate Billy Wagner, who was atrocious in the playoffs or against the Cardinals that year. But I digress. But the team would often find themselves a little short on pitching, despite that ferocious offense. Uh, the Carlos's, David Wright, Jose Reyes, uh... Well, the ever-optimistic Willie Randolph uh, set of Lima, who came back up from Norfolk with bleach blonde hair and cornrows. Uh, you hope he'll come in, locate his pitches, and work a little Lima magic. Lima would make three, sta- three straight starts for the Mets in early May, um, losing all three of them, going uh, five innings, surrendering five runs to the Braves, in a 13-3 loss on May 7th, 
four and two-thirds innings, surrendering five runs to the Brewers on May 12th and May 18th against the Cardinals, four and two-thirds innings, four earned runs, giving him an 8.79 ERA through three starts as a Met. Mets were still 24-16 and 16 after that third defeat. Uh, Lima would go back down to Norfolk and would get called up for one more start on July 7th, which would wind up being his last appearance in the major leagues. Lima would be matched up against the D-Train, Dontrell Willis, at Shea Stadium. The, he would surrender an unearned run in the first inning. Uh, the game would be one nothing through three, with the Mets squandering a couple of chances, opportunities to score against Dontrell in the second and the third. Uh, but then the fourth, uh, Lima would unravel. He would lead off the inning, uh, walking Miguel Cabrera, uh, then would surrender a double to former Met Mike Jacobs down the left field line. Uh, then a Josh Willingham uh, grounder, uh, an error by David Wright, uh, flubbing it, uh, loaded the bases. The runners did not advance on the play. The next two batters would single, uh, making the score 3 nothing with the bases still loaded and bringing up the pitcher, Dontrell Willis, uh, who would hammer a grand slam over... I think against the scoreboard uh, in right, uh, unloading the bases, making the score seven nothing. Uh, the next to last batter Lima would face in the majors. He would uh, then give up a single to Alfredo Amezaga, the Marlins leadoff hitter, before mercifully getting pulled in favor of 2006 uh, super reliever long man Darren Oliver. Lima would finish the year in Norfolk, not get another appearance. Um, Although I'd like to think in another world, uh, a world that was so close and that I wish wish occurred, Jose Lima would have gotten a World Series ring from the 2006 Mets with his 2006 Mets line score of no wins, four losses, 9.87 ERA, uh, 17 and a third innings pitched, 19 earned runs, three homers surrendered, 10 walks, 12 strikeouts. Alas, that is not the case. Uh, Lima did not give up uh, playing professionally, though. He played in the Dominican League in, in winter ball in 06. He played in 07, uh, pitched well, uh, leading his team to the Caribbean Series, and then split 2008 between the Korean Baseball Organization and the Atlantic League. He never officially retired, but that 09-2010 uh, Winter League was the last professional action he had. He continued to live in Los Angeles in 2010 and enjoyed going to Dodgers games, which he did during the early part of the 2010 season. Again, according to the uh, Sabre Society of Baseball Research article on Lima, uh, he went to the game on Friday, May 21st, where he sat in the front row and received a loud ovation when he was introduced. Uh, He went out dancing the following night um, and took ill and had to go to the hospital uh, where he died the following morning of May 23rd, 2010, at the age of 37. While an autopsy did not determine the cause of death, it was stated that it was due to a heart condition, uh, likely a cardiac arrhythmia. And Lima would make one final sad trip to Queens uh, for a week in Corona, Queens, where uh, many uh, Latino baseball stars uh, joined to pay tribute to him including uh, David Ortiz, Robinson Cano, and Tony Pena. 
uh, before his funeral the following day in the Dominican Republic, where he was buried near his home. Ortiz would later that year uh, pay tribute to his friend by dedicating his victory in the MLB home run derby to Lima. As you can imagine, anyone who dies at the age of 37, especially uh, such a colorful and you know beloved by many player, there'll be a lot of notable quotes. Uh, one lovely or interesting one from the Dodger, a Dodgers public relations man named Josh Rollitz. I don't know if Lima had any regrets, but of this much I'm certain. He lived every day of his 37 plus years to the fullest. In fact, I'd venture to guess that he put 100 years of his life into his 37 years on Earth. For the entirety of his professional career, Lima recorded a one-loss record of 89 and 102 with a career area of 5.26. He appeared in 348 games, starting 235 of them, uh, throwing 1,567 and two-thirds major league innings. Uh, According to baseball reference, he was good for a war of 4.9 over the entirety of his career. Of course, uh, six of that uh, war was for the Astros, uh, where he had those two remarkable seasons. As point of fact, his uh, 98 and 99 seasons were good for 8.4 war. Uh, a lot of the rest of his career, of course, uh, peaks and valleys. He also had a positive numbers for the Dodgers, but in four starts with the Mets, negative uh, 0.8 war, according to baseball reference. A couple of interesting quirks. At one time, Lima held the record for most career wins by a pitcher with an ERA of five or greater. Uh, though he was surpassed by Sidney Ponson, who had 91 career wins and a 5.03 ERA. Uh, 25 different pitchers in baseball history uh, had put together seasons with at least 16 losses and an ERA above six. Uh, As of Lima's retirement, uh, he was the only pitcher with two such seasons. Ponson is, as point of fact, one of the most similar players to Lima, according to Baseball References' similarity score. Uh, interesting, on that list of 10 players, the 10th most similar former Met, Bobby Jones. But really, as you can gather by the testimonies about him, and if you remember watching him play, there was no one similar to Jose Lima. Though his time with the Mets was brief and terribly unproductive, Jose Lima himself, truly unformidable. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Unformidable. Uh, Please go to AmazonAvenue.com for more Mets-related content. Follow Amazon Avenue on all the socials. And look for this and all of our Amazon pods wherever you get your podcasts. Original music by Bunga. I'm on Twitter at WolfRR, W-O-L-F-F-R-R, and the show is at Unformidable. Thank you, and as always, let's go Mets. 